this is James for Dark Days Radio, and I'm joined by uh, Joshua Fox, and uh, we're here talking about uh, some fun RPGs at the UK Games Expo. Um, the first thing that I, I've actually picked up a copy from the stands is uh, Lovecraft-esque, and I'm quite interested in a lot of the cosmic horror of Lovecraft. Um, and I picked up the book to have a look, and uh, one of the first things that popped out to me was there's a lot of uh, there was a section detailing uh, mental health and how it's addressed in Lovecraft and how to kind of strip the um, the stigma away or the yeah the stigma away from it in uh, in Lovecraft esque. So absolutely, um, I'll yeah. tell you about that. Um, so we're, Lovecraft obviously is a, a bigoted person in terms of race as well, and that's something that's addressed in the game. Um, but what gets a lot less play, a lot less people talking about, is the mental health angle. And I think what's interesting about it is, actually, if you read a lot of Lovecraft stories, mental health, it doesn't come up as much as people think. Um, from playing role-playing games like Call of Cthulhu, you would have the impression that sanity and losing it is the main thing about Lovecraft stories, but it's not. There are some stories where that's central, and there are some where it isn't, so that's kind of the first thing. Uh, we didn't want to produce a game that would have, particularly because Lovecraft, Lovecraft Esque is a game where you're all contributing and you're making stuff up as you go along. It would be incredibly easy to replicate the worst ideas about kind of people just sort of starting to gibber and, 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 and lose all coherence, exactly. uh, sitting in the dark, insane, you know, all the, all the stuff you, you come across in, in Lovecraftian story stories in role playing games so uh, it was really important to us to address that um, there's a full length essay in the game about how the different ways in which you can um, handle mental health um, and the different ways in which Lovecraft handles mental health um, yeah, I, I was reading that yesterday actually and it was uh, okay. it was really insightful I, I wanted to actually have a chance to read through some of the stuff before I, uh, before I came and talked to you about it and cool. it was um it was really good, and it gave me some ideas for even outside of uh, for other games I run, how to kind of deal with cosmic horror. So that's you can absolutely cool. use it for any Lovecraftian game. I, I like to think about seventy-five percent of the material in the game you can use because it's got it's the essay on mental health, there's the essay on how to handle race, and there's a whole set of scenarios as well, which are by diverse authors looking at completely different takes on the Lovecraftian genre. Um, so it's a hope we hope a, a really fresh take on, you, on yeah. cosmic horror. Yeah, it's a it's a really lovely book, and it's one that like once I picked up and started reading it, I realised I couldn't not buy a copy, even though I'd come out with the intention not to spend any money. I was like, all right, this I'm definitely picking this one. Up. Um, that's great to hear. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very uh, yeah, it was a, it's a great book to get. Um, you've got another book that's uh, just come out uh, just come out recently, um, and it's Flotsam. Uh, so. Do you want to give us a little bit of an idea of what Flotsam is? Yeah, so Flotsam is about, uh, you play outcasts, renegades and misfits living in the belly of a space station in the shadow of a more prosperous society. So if you've got shows like The Expanse, uh, if you imagine uh, instead of focusing on all the sort of gun battles and the politics, you were just playing belters living their ordinary lives and having to cope with the machinations that are going on around them. Um, or perhaps uh, if you were playing Down Below in Babylon 5, or the, right. the lower levels of um, Deep Space Nine, where you know Quark and the rest live. It's those sort of small-scale stories of individuals living a- against a cosmic backdrop that's more or less beyond their control. 
That's fantastic. My uh, my playgroup, in fact, uh, one of them is a huge Deep Space Nine fan. Oh, cool. uh, Chris, our, uh, our other host, he's a huge Babylon 5 fan. So that's uh, that, that's fantastic. I'll have to try and uh, try and get him to have a look. Um, that's that's really cool. So it's it's a more, it's a, a bit more down to earth than high space opera. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I think. So one of the principles of the game is think small. Um, it's a GMless game, so it comes with a set of these sort of um, one-sentence principles to help you understand what the game's about. One of them is think small. Um, this is a game about these ordinary lives. You might have a massive war, galactic war, happening outside the space station, and that might affect their lives. You know, you might have wounded veterans come in, or there might be a loss of supplies. But it's always got to be about their lives and not about the war itself you know what I mean yeah that's really cool and yeah that does uh, that would work well because thematically with the stuff that my uh, my particular group is into so so that's uh, that's great yeah I'll have to uh, get Chris to have a look at that but you did mention you have a uh, you have another game coming out soon as well that's right uh, so we kickstarted Bite Me a game of werewolf pack dynamics uh, last year was early this year I forget um, so this is actually written by the other half of Black Armada Games, Becky Anison. And so it's a it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game where you play the members of a werewolf pack. And the game is all about the relationships in that werewolf pack. What it's like to be somebody who has an animal nature, to have instincts that tell you you should submit to the alpha and that tell you you should, you know, sometimes lose control of your animal instincts. Right. Uh, and, and all of the carnage in terms of personal drama that results from that the betrayals the hurt why did you bite me and turn me into a werewolf you know uh, um, and the game is driven by those those interpersonal dramas so that if you want to win a fight in the game the best way to do it is to have lots of really forthright angsty conversations where there are recriminations and secrets revealed because all of that gives you points that you can spend to win fights Amazing. Well, that sounds like my D&D campaign. So I think my last few sessions had everyone crying in the kitchen. Uh, so not very much dungeoning. But I know Becky aims to make you cry with her games, so she'd be very pleased if, if, <laughs> if she could do that for you. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for that as well because dark and spooky is kind of our kind of our big deal. Um, awesome. But uh, you have a podcast where you, you play these games. So if people are interested in any of these titles, they can maybe have a, a listen to the designers playing them. Right. So so Becky and I are Black Armada Games, but together with several others who I think you may be talking to later on, um, we form the UK Indie Role Playing Game League. And so this podcast is called The League Presents. And in The League Presents, we play one of the games by members of the League, and it's all members of the League playing it. So we've just finished playing Bite Me. I GM'd a game of Bite Me for Becky and for Grant Howitt and Jay Isles and Chris Longhurst, who are different members of the League. Cool. Um, uh, And we've also played a a game that's not even out yet. It's not even been kickstarted. Bleak Spirits, which is a kind of Dark Souls simulator by Chris Longhurst. And... um, We've just started Heart, the successor to Spire. We're delving into the depths underneath the great city of Spire where a strange uh, reality-smashing entity lurks somewhere down there. So I'm assured. 
Wow, that, that yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds juicy. That sounds mental. Hello, this is Chris. I just turned up from walking around other hosted off days. Yeah, I've got the PDS inspired the artwork. It's amazing. I've just not got around to running it yet, as always. But that sounds amazing. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna hopefully talk to Grant, uh, who's one of the designers on Spire. Um, and uh, but yes, uh, at the moment, uh, thank you very much for your uh, for your time, Josh. Um, it's it's been great. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to running some of these games. Cool. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. Hi there. This is James or Dr. Soido, and I'm joined by Jay Isles from UFO Press. UFO Press. Sorry. Right. So yes, uh, we're here to talk about some of the uh, some of the games that you, you produced in your center. Yeah. Um, and uh, Legacy Legacy's got a second edition that's yes. come out recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, came out last year, and fantastic. we're sort of selling that and the associated games for it. Right. Would you like me to talk about? It? Yeah, yeah. You've okay. got a couple. Of, um, are the uh, the books at the front are they kind of source books or variants? Yeah, yeah. Or? So. Uh, so Legacy is a game about uh, what comes after the apocalypse, about uh, families and factions rebuilding and evolving and growing and learning about each other and discovering the world over generations. Uh, it's a game that plays with scale quite a bit, so you play at the family level sometimes, at the character level other times. You'll spend some time in a particular time period of history and then move forward a generation and change the board up and, well, change the map and the factions. And the other books we have with, with it move that into other settings. So we have one about organisms evolving from like first sparks of sentience to cities oh, wow. and uh, states. We have one about gods and their avatars at the end of days, uh, sort of playing out that sort of uh, Greek mythology or Norse mythology sort of stories. Oh, that's pretty, that sounds pretty yeah, intense. Yeah, yeah. So you, in that one, you're playing a god, like the god of death, god of nature, whatever, and also an avatar of another player's god. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Because that's meant to set up the sole sort of thing of like, your divine authority is telling you to do this, but that will result in the death of your mortal lover and what do you do, etc. Oh, wow. No, that's, yeah. That sounds a uh, lot of conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we have uh, Rhapsody of Blood, which is uh, Castlevania, the role-playing game, basically. Oh, great. Uh, once every generation, the blood moon rises and an evil castle from outside reality invades our world. Oh, yeah. You are the members of the heroic bloodlines who can recognise its evil, uh, charging into it every generation to try and fight it back. It's got big sort of cinematic combat, uh, very low prep, very high drama sort of thing. Um, aiming to evoke games like uh, Devil May Cry or Bloodborne. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the big thing is, as you're fighting through the castle, you're getting corrupted by its power, which is giving you all sorts of new abilities and stats and sort of things. But if it gets too much, uh, then you flip over to the other side. Right. Or, at the end of the uh, delve, when the uh, regent of the castle is slain, all the power they were gathering is still there, ready to be unleashed on the world. And whoever has the most corruption can choose to take that and use it, which means uh, they can twist the world in a way that's beneficial to them or their faction. Oh, great. But then they're taken by the castle as it retreats into the dark realm it comes from, and the next time it returns, they'll be the end boss. Great, so it's kind of, it's, the, it's cyclical then. So you've got this, uh, I guess if you were going to run a few games of it, you kind of, you've got that yeah. coming back and... That's really neat. Yeah. All of these games are designed to work as one-shots in a single age or as a campaign over multiple ages. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, oh, um, are there, so you've talked about your, uh, is there a castle up in, uh, 
the Castlevania esque one, uh, your most your most recent uh, new edition? Or? It's um, pretty new. Uh, my newest one is a game called Harder They Fall, which is a uh, game I kickstarted at the end of last year. Which is I describe it as a storytelling war game played using right. dominoes. Oh wow, that sounds uh, that does sound different. I've yeah, not yeah. played anything with dominoes. Before. Yeah, yeah. So the whole idea is it's about um, playing through an epic clash between uh, world-shaking creatures, whether that's gods at the dawn of time or mechas versus kaiju or oh, anything like that. Yeah. So you set up your teams and you set up your environment. Uh, you also set up your characters because you know Great. it's all about yeah. the drama. So each of you has a few strengths a few uh, oaths that you've sworn that are reason why you're fighting and a few doubts that are why you really why you're having doubts about the conflict yeah. and as you're playing you're setting up chains of dominoes across the map um, and depending on the number on that domino uh, saying things about uh, what you're doing as you're moving what you feel um, how you're drawing power or how your power is failing you and then eventually once you've got enough you can try and knock them down oh. and then the more dominoes you knock down the more power you unleash on your opponents too right. much and you uh, scar the land and blow out your um, own powers but so it plays through this co huge conflict in a very sort of tight and rules light sense so right. it was designed to be fun as a one shot but also fun to drop into an ongoing campaign when you move beyond the scope of the standard rules so for a mass combat system or for a flashback to like the war of the titans at the dawn of the world oh that's cool or like I don't know if you're playing vampires or what have you, and then the Methuselahs have risen up and are fighting over your city. You can cut to that and show what they do to the city in their battle and what the after effects of that are for your campaign. That's really okay. cool. And uh, as so, you could you could drop it into something else, and because mm. um, quite often, like if you've been playing a campaign for a long time, sometimes you get a little bit burnt out. Yeah. Something something nice and juicy and with different is a is yeah. a really good way to spice something up that's been going on for too long. Yeah. Oh, that's, good. that's really cool. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been really great. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for your time. I hope you've had a nice uh, time at the expo. It's been a lovely weekend. Great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hi, this is James from Dark Place Radio. Uh, and I'm joined with uh, Grant, uh, Grant Howitt. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're here to talk about some of the awesome games uh, that you've got on display. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, so the game that actually drew me over to the stall mm -hmm. yesterday was uh, Goblin Quest. Ah, it's, uh, yes. It's a, it's a very bright cover. It's uh, It just sounded rowdy. Um, it's got some goblins fighting over bacon and eggs on the cover. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, what what more could you want in a, in a <laughs> setting, really? Oh. Well, apparently people want things like armor class and hit points. I know, right? Rev I'm levels. I know. I mean, Mugs what, game. What even is that? Um, so yeah, uh, if we if we do uh, a little chat about uh, goblin yeah, questions sure. to start with. Um, yeah, ask me some questions. So, uh, if you had a goblin name, what would it be? Spud. Spud. I like it. It's mm. good. It's yeah, because it would be what what would be written on my clothes because it would be a potato sack. Oh yeah, no, like, I, yeah. I like that. Or maybe sorry, Spuds. Spuds the goblin. That's cool. I I, I, I could do that. How about you? Uh, oh, I. Uh, I would probably be Gribble, I think. Gribble? Gribble. Ah, I think that would be multiple syllables. Name. That's bourgeoisie in Goblin, but okay. Yeah, yeah, may, maybe. I, I just feel like, I feel it implies, it's, it sounds a little small and a little, yeah. a, a, a little bit hidey, yeah. and that, that, that is, that's probably my mm. thing. Um, 
but yeah, uh, what what kind of was the uh, the inspiring moment? For okay. Uh, so, 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 can I briefly explain what Goblin Quest yeah, is? Yeah, real quick. Yeah, so, Goblin Quest is a role-playing game uh, where you play five goblins <laughs> in sequence, not in parallel, and try and achieve really basic tasks and then die. So, the reason you like make a sandwich, put on a party, that sort of thing. The reason why you have five goblins is because you will die, and so you get to go through all the ones. The uh, the development of it, it was I was at a playtest group. Uh, oh, it'd be about five years ago, six years ago. I was on the bus and realized I didn't have anything to play that week. So I had a, I had a felt tip pen. I was like, okay, go, and just drew and drew the great battle map, mm -hmm. uh, the, the great battle uh, camp on one side of the A4, and then wrote some rules on the other side of the A4 in thick, in thick crayon look, um, felt tip. And it was actually quite good fun. It was quite neat. And so we, uh, like we, we sort of play tested a bit and went back and forth. Uh, and then it was our first Kickstarter back in 2000 and, 14, I believe, wow. back in the day, uh, and that was we asked for we asked for two thousand uh, pounds, which was just which is just adorable, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> two thousand pounds to produce it. It went it went very well. We uh, we funded quite nicely, and we funded too nicely, given that over half the book is stretch goals. And there's some there's some really uh, there's some really fun ones in there. But yeah, mm. like um, uh, it's I've I had a chance to read through it yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely love it. I can't wait to play it with my group. Um, I think the continuous failures are some of the they're, they're some of the best parts of when a campaign goes uh, mm. when a campaign's going along. You know, they're the stories that you remember, and mm. um, I, I can't wait to it's, kill a whole bunch of goblins. It's hard to fail. It's easy to die, ah, which I think is the, which I think is the is the, it's the the more likely you are to succeed, the more likely you are to die, and oh, so great. it's a it's a. It, the, the more power you gather, it's almost like it's yeah. hubris. I reckon you could probably hack it to, to run a game about about proper like satanic wizards, but it's quite yeah. nice just running it. It's basically the animals, animals of farthing wood crossed with paranoia. That's great. That's quite nice. That sounds awesome. Um, so cool. Yeah, that's that's what uh, drew me uh, mm -hmm. drew me over to the stand to, to look at the day. But um, you've also got spying. Yeah. Um, which uh, Chris has got PDFs for, so um, he's been looking, for, he's been trying to get his head around it. And while we've had some bits and pieces mm. going on, um, but uh, do you do you want to give us a, a yeah, bit of sure? A, a, I'll give you a pitch. About, yeah, that'd be fantastic. So Spire is the titular city of the game. Uh, Spire is the sorry, the Spire, not Spire. Yeah. No, it's Spire. Yeah, we had to change the name from the Spire because there was a comic called the Spire. No. Um, Spire is a mile-high city, rotting from within and without, with corruption and dark magic and various parasite realities trying to break in. Uh, 200 years before the game takes place, the Elfir, sorry, Elfir, or High Elves, invaded and took over. It was a Dark Elf city, now it's a High Elf city, and you play a freedom fighter cell of Dark Elf revolutionaries trying to overthrow the government by whatever means necessary. Generally, it's black magic, rituals, and some sort of sacrifice. Well, that um, sounds great. They have, they have, well, our magic system is one of the defining features we had is that everything costs. There's no sort oh, of, there's like no that. free magic as there were, mm -hmm. as, as, it, as, as it were. So like, there is always a risk of, of engaging with otherworldly forces. And it's, it's gone really well. We've, we've got, we've had a really nice community spring up around it. Uh, well, sorry, spring up. We've fostered that community. So there's a great discord for it. And one of the things which we were really careful to do with it was not to have, uh, not to be prescriptive. We didn't want people to have to feel like they've got to read, uh, like, do a comprehension exercise before they start playing. So we tried to communicate as much as we can about the setting through the classes and give players in character powers, which let them define the setting and define the world, taking some of that cognitive load off the GM. 
it's because of that everyone has their own version of Spire, which is really nice. I love and it. so that like, like the thing is, my version of Spire is not the one in the game. <laughs> uh, my version of Spire has more trains in because I think trains are cool. And it's it's been really exciting and really um, inspiring to see people take this world which we've made and make it their own and put their own stories in it. And I'm I'm really proud of what we've done. That sounds that sounds great. And it, it also sounds like. Uh, as some of the games here as well are GM-less, and this mm. one, if you've got people being able to kind of ascribe elements to the world, that's that's quite a nice way for people who maybe want to look into DMing but don't have the confidence. You you're building you're building elements of lore and things like that. And so I'm of the opinion. So I'm of the opinion that GMing is 95% confidence. Uh, it's about being able to trust yourself and trust your players to craft a good story together. It's not about prep work. It's not necessarily about knowing all the rules. It's about understanding the characters that you have in play, understanding what your players want, understanding what their characters want, which may not be the same things, and telling a fun story with one another. The, the rules are there to sort of give you a, give an excuse to stop, to give, you, to give you beats and breaks in the narrative. And so all the games uh, that I write, certainly, are expressly designed for very lazy GMs. Oh, oh, in the in the in the, you're supposed to just you can do some prep at the front, but on your average week, sit down with your players, ask them what they're doing, and the game will hopefully happen. Rather than oh, I've wow. put together this scheme and I've drawn this dungeon, and I, um, no, you know what? I did enough of that when I was a teenager. I'm too old for that shit now. I've got I've, I've got a full time job writing role playing games. I don't want to do it in my spare time. As well. <laughs> that sounds really good. I mean, I'm gonna have to see. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to get my. Um, don't have any space to bring a copy of that with me, but I'm going to have to buy the, uh, buy the PDF now and have a look at that. Uh, I also hear that there's a uh, another game. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're just done with Strata, which is the first source book for Spire. Fantastic. Heart is our follow-up. We're going to be playtesting at a Gen Con this year. It's our first Gen Con. I'm faintly terrified. Oh I've never been goodness. before. Good luck. Have a wonderful time. <laughs> um, so I'm running quite a few games with that, and we're going to be opening up to public playtest after that um, with a, an email list and. You can Sort of sort out, but the idea is uh, underneath the city of Spire, there is this place called the Heart, and it's where where reality has gone off and it's curdled like old milk. The it's this shifting, nightmarish other world which you can go into in search of uh, fortune or adventure or perdition or um, a way to bring him back to life and various other things. Uh, right. And so it's a dungeon crawl game fundamentally, except the dungeon is the size of a city, the city is the size of a universe, and the reason that you're going into the dungeon is half of your character, which is fun. So yeah, um, we should be that should be available in August in, uh, for playtest. Oh great! Uh, we're, we're eager to get lots of people playtesting it. In addition to getting valuable feedback, to get people uh, to get people to, to know what it is, and so people can can talk about it and get excited for it before we put it live on Kickstarter. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to take a look at that. And uh, well, thank you very much for your time. I hope you had a wonderful uh, game expo. And it's been great. Yeah, I hope you don't have too much tear down to do. It's it's getting that getting that late on a Sunday. Isn't I'm it? just going to burn the entire stand. <laughs> they can't arrest me. <laughs> no, they can actually. They can. I've got that wrong. Thank you for the interview. Thank you very much for your time.